you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com, as said by the opera singer we hired last week. That's new on the show, folks, because that's what we do. We bring stuff to the new show and all the newest, smartest minds. For 15 years, we've been bringing you the billionaires, the CEOs, the astronauts, the White House advisors, the Pulitzer Prize winners, everybody in the world to expand your mind, tell you their stories, help you with your journey from what they learned from their journey. Stories are the great uh, owner's manual to life. I need to make a shirt that says that because that's the beauty of collecting stories. I was uh, having lunch uh, celebrating my uh, nephew's birthday. I think he turns 24, 23. And uh, I told him there's three key things to look for in life. Number one, the things you know. Number two, the things you don't know, but you know you don't know them. And number three, the most important is the things you don't know you don't know. And learning about those things is really important in life because usually those are things that come at you. Or if you want to really master life and understand a lot of stuff in life and have some breadth to your knowledge base and not live in a Dunning-Kruger sort of world, uh, master the things you don't know you don't know. And, of course, that's pretty infinite when it comes to the universe. But the more you can learn, the more you know. Uh, it sounds like a PSA commercial from uh, TV. <laughs> <laughs> Should be that. The more you know. Anyway, uh, so we're here to educate you and bring you more that you can know today. Not today only, but always. Uh, the show is putting out uh, three to four shows a weekday, and we're putting out 15 to 20 shows a week. So please keep up and refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. As always, we beg of you. We beg of you. Give us five-star reviews on iTunes. Uh, go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and uh, uh, the TikTok at Chris Voss1. Uh, we have an amazing young lady on the show today. She is Helen Morris. She's an energy healing practitioner and podcast host, and she's going to be on to tell us her amazing heartfelt story of grief, loss of a child, Join, finding joy and happiness afterwards, et cetera, et cetera. She's a certified emotion coach and body coach based out of New Zealand. She came across her healing modality after tragically losing her 18-year-old daughter and only child in a motor vehicle accident in 2017. Prior to this, she worked in the health sector in health intelligence, supporting general practices in Hawke's Bay with national health initiatives and programs. From 2019 she uh, to 2020, or I'm sorry, 2000, 2009 to 2013, she developed and coordinated an award-winning before-school check screening program for four-year-olds, which she uh, also supported at a national level and contributed to publications evaluating the program. In 2012, she was nominated for a leadership award for contributions locally and nationally to the program. Welcome to the show, Helen. How are you? I am doing great, and it's great to be here with you, Chris, and your listeners today. There you go. Great to have you as well. All the way from New Zealand, that beautiful place where it has all the scenic sort of uh, panoramas. 
Yeah, yes, indeed. Yeah, it's a beautiful place to live. There you go. Uh, so give us uh, your dot coms. Where do you want people to find you on the interwebs? So basically, if they just Google the beautiful side of grief, then that's going to give them all the links to everything. I've just uh, recently just changed everything over to that just to make it a little bit easier. There you go. Easy to remember. The beautiful side of grief dot com. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. That's there correct. we go. And uh, so uh, give us a 30,000 overview of uh, your experience there and what led you down this road. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, let's just go back a little bit. So, you know, I was always a highly sensitive child growing up, except I didn't know that. And um, I was in a family that I felt like I never, ever fitted into. And uh, so as I grew up, you know, I sort of was very spiritual and I was always sort of interested in that. And so I became a sort of workaholic, but in my early 20s, I had chronic illnesses. Um, I already had severe Crohn's disease and wow. chronic fatigue. Yeah, I know. And that was from just living like a hugely stressful life. I lived in fight or flight my whole entire life. And, uh, you know, I'd sort of been emotionally abused, sexually abused. So there was loads that happened to me, wow. you know, in all of those years. But the... But then I had my beautiful girl when I was 35, so I was an older mum, and I was always a little bit worried about that, but she just burst into my life unexpectedly and and just took me on this um, adventure, really. Um, so she taught me through things like, you know, at 18 months old, she um, developed night terrors, and she had those until she was seven and a half, and honestly, honestly, I don't even know how I survived those years. And at three years old, she also got uh, Guillain-Barre and became paralysed, and so we went through, you know, getting her to learn to walk again and that. So, but she was this amazing athlete as well. So it didn't matter what she put her hand to. She was just amazing at it. Her go-to was hockey. So she was mm -hmm. in rep teams from the age of 10 right through a teen. So I had this incredible child who was just, you know, sassy, beautiful, exceptional on all levels. And we were just so close because it was just her and I from the age of one. And then at 18, of course, as you mentioned, yeah, she was in a car accident. So, oh, no. yeah, that, that changed my life again um, forever. Yeah. And uh, did she pass away in the car accident? Uh, was it instant? Yeah. Yeah, it was instant. And, um, the, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of an interesting story because we were just about to move house and, you know, the following weekend of her accident. But for some reason, I changed my mind and decided, no, nope, we were shifting a week earlier. So we just shifted into this new home and um, she was really excited because she could finally have a cat and um, and so she just phoned me two minutes actually before the accident, though I didn't know that at the time. And she just said, you know, like, um, oh, no, I phoned her actually um, because I thought she was at home and she was actually in a town close to us. And she said, um, no, I'm just leaving Napier. Um, you know, I'll meet you at home for dinner. And then she had to go off to work, you see. And she said, oh, go check out my room. It looks amazing. And then I said, you know, probably, okay, darling, you know, see you soon, love you lots, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then two minutes later, she was dead. And about probably about mm -hmm. half an hour, I got this horrible feeling come over me. And I just knew 
I just knew something had happened. Wow. And um, yeah, and it was like she came to me and I I just wanted to go to her. I, but I didn't know which way she was coming home. So I just, gosh, I phoned her best friend who I knew had the location of Tal's phone. And um, she didn't pick up, um, so it went to answer phone, and I cried, and I didn't know why I was crying. And then I phoned the police, which was so unusual for me to do. But mm -hmm. I phoned the police, and, you know, um, and then while I was speaking to them, her friend, um, you know, texted me the location of her phone. And so when I said to the police, um, you know, it, it, you know, it's in Farndon Road. Can you just tell me if there's any accidents? And they just said, oh, put me on hold. And I just knew. I just knew. Wow. And then they came back on and they said, yes, we can confirm there's an accident there. And uh, But uh, we've closed the road off, so you just wait at home and we'll update you. And I thought, like, bloody hell. And so I phoned the hospital because I knew <clears throat> if an ambulance had been dispatched, then, you know, that's where it would be going. And they chirpily told me, no, we're not expecting anything. So I Googled. And this was all within an hour of her accident. And it wow. was already up on Google. And it just said the headline was a fatality between a truck and a car in Fondon Road. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know who the fatality is. And, uh, yeah, so a few minutes later, yeah, the police arrived and confirmed my Worst nightmare. That's unfortunate. I'm sorry. The um, so, uh, what are the stages you go through after that? Because there's grief yeah. and uh, yeah. and and all that issues that go so, on. So, so I totally through those. Uh, you know, like I didn't go through those typical stages of oh, grief, wow. but yeah, because they haven't things like anger, denial. Mm -hmm. But you know, right from the get go. I was very accepting that my child had died and mm -hmm. that she was never coming back to me. But then I think I also had that experience, that knowing. And um, and I, like I said, I was very spiritual. So that tied into a couple of things like I used to always have this really unusual reaction to teenagers having car accidents. Mm -hmm. And I used to think to myself, oh, my gosh, I couldn't possibly imagine how the parents must cope with that. Yet here I was in that exact same situation, and it was kind of like a ding-ding moment. Like it was almost like I was being prepared for her passing. Hmm. And, yeah, I know it's bizarre. So I didn't, um, you know, go through that denial stage, and I didn't go through anger either. You know, hmm. I loved this beautiful girl so, so much, and I never asked why it had happened. It's almost like I knew that on some higher level that we'd signed up to it. That, huh. um, yeah, yeah, you know, like a soul contract, you know, that was part of why I was here. And I'd signed up to losing a beautiful teenager at 18. And if I'd signed up to that, she'd signed up to that also. So mm -hmm. there was a knowing on that level, except that became clearer to me in the years afterward. And so, yeah, so I, I just did not, even when I went into dark moments, because don't get me wrong, I grieved, I grieved, I cried. This was the worst possible thing imaginable. Okay. 
And, but, you know, I would do that quickly. And then I felt like I was suddenly pulled out of it. And I would go to, like, I had this clairvoyance um, um, guy who was also a medium. And I know him very well. I'd been to some of his shows and I had his books. And I would just go to this one book, Soul Journeys, and I would just flick open a page. And it was like, it gave me enough information just to lift me back up and get me back on track. And, and you know, within weeks of her dying, I was back at work and I was working, training people, training doctors and uh, GP practices, and I had to be on my game. Mm-hmm. And so for some, yeah, and it just seemed like I just seemed to be able to cope with all of that. Huh. No. You you had a, a death again with someone you were recently seeing, yeah. I think, before we talked about in the green room. Oh then, my god. Yeah. <laughs> and then you you you'd mentioned that you had cried a lot and processed mm. that and maybe some of that process was from your daughter? Or yes. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about that, because I think that's important for people to understand. Yeah. Sometimes so, we package away grief mm-hmm. and we experience it later because we don't we reconcile things. So I'm curious about that. 100%. So because Tal was a teen and um, she had these beautiful friends, and I think a lot of the time I was focused on supporting her friends, making it okay for them, because for, you know, probably many of them, this was their first experience with death. And it was death of the death of somebody their own age. And so I felt this real need to protect them, to help them, to be there for them. So I think I put a lot of my own grief, you know, yeah, like I said, like you said, I, you know, dampened it down, dampened it down. And and then I had been on my own for like 20 plus years, you know, just Tal and I. And so I hadn't been in a relationship. And so when I got into this relationship, I'd done a lot of work to make sure that it was the type of relationship I really wanted in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and so we just, it was easy. It was so easy. It was like once we got talking it was a guy I met through work and we kept it pretty quiet from work until we knew where it was heading Mm -hmm. and but we just had this instant connection it was so easy I just it was easy on all levels and I was just so happy that I'd finally met somebody I thought I was going to spend many many enjoyable times with but then early into it you know really you know it was just a month and a bit of knowing this guy who I felt like I'd known forever, he went on a camping trip and uh, unfortunately he was murdered on the first night by a 16-year-old in this beautiful, I know, in this beautiful, tranquil place that nobody had ever thought anything like that would happen. And, um, yeah, so then... And, of course, you know, my workplace didn't know that he and I were, you know, seeing each other. And so they told me, oh, like, Helen, we've, you know, want to give you the sad news about a work colleague. And I went, oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) Uh, But, you see, like, I knew something had happened on the day he died as well. 
And mm. because it was such a remote area, there was a very sketchy cell phone coverage. So I wasn't expecting him to contact me until the Monday. It happened on the Saturday. And then um, then the Monday came and went. I went, ooh. And then, then on the Wednesday, it all just made sense to me. Wow. And, yeah, and then I cried. I mm -hmm. just, I just cried. I just cried. I cried. I cried for everything. I cried because I thought life was cruel. Like, how could I have gone through everything with my daughter, everything in my life, you know, healing myself from chronic illness illnesses getting my life on track you know living the life that i really wanted to be living and then have this happen and i just yeah. thought that was so frigging unfair <laughs> so uh, i was feeling you know having a bit of a pity party but i was also crying for the loss of tal and for the loss of this beautiful guy that i'd met you know he was beautiful he used to just wow. make everybody's lives richer, you know. He would just had this way about them that, you know, he would cheer everybody up and, yeah. So, yeah, so, yes, that was a great release for me. And then I realized that, yeah, I was crying for my girl as much as I was crying for Adrian. Do you feel like it, you, you'd put off getting closure and you got closure uh, at that moment or... Where did you feel you're fine with both things? Yeah, I think I was fine with both because I'd done so much work, so much mm -hmm. healing around Tal. I think she was very instrumental in guiding me from the point she died through the next stages of my life. So she guided me to the energy healing, to the emotion code and the body code. And um, I actually even went over to the States and uh, met the developer of the program. Mm -hmm. um, and because I just wanted to know that it was kosher, you know, this energy healing was a bit woo-woo and, you know, and I really wanted to know that, you know, I was getting into something legit and truly was because I just did healings not only on myself but on loads of other people but the transformation for myself came when I taught myself to muscle test and then I used the emotion code to just release so many emotions I had trapped my entire lifetime so it, were, it was those emotions of anger and resentment and bitterness and jealousy and all those things I just just didn't face in my lifetime up till that point. I was so intent on being this perfectionist and getting on with life and proving that I was worthy that I just never allowed myself to really sink down and feel all the things that I had experienced. And they were like so many just unimaginable things. And um, yeah, so this was a there great release. Yeah. And for the first time in my life, I felt what it was like to feel calm and mm -hmm. at peace and in, in control and strong. And so that was an amazing feeling. And I wanted to wow. give that to others. Yeah. Wow. Uh, mm -hmm. So let's get into it. What is the emotion code and the body code that you use uh, to help other people? Well, it's this amazing healing modality. And so like every every emotion has a frequency. And um, so we're able to identify them, you know, at that frequency within the body. And I believe that people, when we 
because we're so conditioned that we should be this and we should be that and then we you add all those expectations that we should have the house the car the job everything else on top of that ourselves that we just attract and trap a lot of emotions if we don't allow ourselves to feel them and process them properly so the emotion code is is simply going through and um, using muscle testing and everybody can muscle test they everybody can teach themselves to muscle test and basically what you're doing is you're asking yourself you know um, to release the emotions you have around, say, grief or, or work. You know, maybe you're going through some tough times at work or whatever it is. And then it just guides you to the rows that those emotions exist in um, and then the columns. And, and one by one, you can just narrow it down and release those emotions within you. And you can often feel that physical release, like your yawn or your just feel like you know an energetic release or you know you'll just feel tired for the next day or two and that's your body just releasing all this heaviness and this lower level frequencies from your body and you can just do that over and over because often our emotions and our experience layer themselves in our bodies and cause dis-ease which if we leave them there too long create disease and so as we release them from our body we can also release diseases so for me I mentioned earlier that I had severe Crohn's disease and I was in and out of hospital multiple times it had got to the stage where the surgeon didn't even want to go near me because it was through so much of my small intestine and I released all of the emotions that had trapped themselves in my digestive tract. So people have a go-to, you know, like some people it's their lungs, some people it's their heart. Some people, For me, it was my solar plexus, all my digestive tract. That's where I trapped a lot of emotion. And so as I released these, I suddenly didn't have Crohn's disease anymore. And that had affected me on such a severe level for years and years and years. So with the body code, that's the next level. So that actually, that was the magic. That's where the magic happened because not only did it go into emotions, but it narrowed it down to all the body systems and the energetic systems, like your chakra systems and um, your meridians and uh, any organs and, you know, and, and anything else like EMF that you may have been exposed to or toxins. So you could just release, release, release. Yeah. So anybody, anybody has this ability to do that. And I then worked on a lot of people and had some incredible amazing experiences that you can't you can't justify other than something at a greater level than us and i'll give you a quick example so early on after i became or well, as i was doing my body code certification you have to work on uh, you know a number of people to become certified and do a load of sessions on them and so i had this young guy come to me and you know a friend had recommended him to me and she said can you please help him and so she came too you know so we were both happy with that and I explained to him you know what I was going to do 
And so she was sitting there and like I could see her eyes and her reactions as I was saying, you know, this happened to you at such and such an age and you were feeling these emotions and I feel it has to do with blah, 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 blah. And, um, and you know, I was releasing them. And then afterwards she said to me, how on earth did you do that? You didn't even know this young guy. And you picked up that at 13 years old, something traumatic had happened to him, you know, in regards to the church and his parents. And that it had affected his whole confidence going forward. And um, he was an amazing musician. And, and she said, you just, she said you were on point with every single thing. How did you know that? And I said, I don't know, but, you know, we have this intuition and I, I've, that's why I put in front of it that I'm very um, intuitive because all my life I've been like that. I just know. I just know. <laughs> Probably know and are, are easy to identify with that because you've known other people with traumas. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting how some people with traumas recognize other people or sometimes have attraction to the people with traumas. Yeah. Yeah. I think of relationships, that's exactly, you know what, you attract the person that you're meant to be with in relationships as to where you are, because yes. it's all about that attraction. And often we attract people that we need to learn from and grow from. And, you know, that's why relationships don't often work, you know, in those early stages until you get to a level where, you know, you know yourself and you've grown a lot and, yeah. That's true. I think that's very true. Uh, looking back on my past, uh, I can see, you know, my mother said to me one time, she says, how come you, you, you date all these messed up girls? And <laughs> it turns out I was pretty messed up inside myself. And uh, yeah. a lot of it was me and what yeah, I was attracting or what I was attracted to. And I think, you know, you know, we're attracted to people who are similar to us and maybe we're, it's some way to reconcile. We're trying to reconcile our trauma. I heard somebody say once, I don't know if it's true, but I heard a psychologist, I think it was a psychologist though, but they said that when we grow up, we, we mirror our parents' relationship that they teach us, uh, you know, whatever the relationship mm. is between the mother and the father. And, mm. and then we try and replicate that in our future relationships and resolve the issues they had. We try to perfect what we saw and, you know, the failures that we yeah. saw in those relationships, we try and, yeah. and recreate them and then try and overcome them. And, and, but the problem is, is many of the times the basics for why those relationships failed was because there were people that shouldn't have been together in the first place. And, you know, and so you, you, you end up, it's like recreating a failed formula of chemistry and uh, you're just going to keep failing. So talk to us about what you do on your website. You uh, you do sessions and coaching, I believe, with people. Tell us yeah. what that work is, entails and, and what how that goes into. I, I guess my whole grief process with Tal is really put me into a... Um, into a service mentality. All I want to do now is, you know, like help people. I want to mm -hmm. help people through their trauma. And I guess having gone through so much myself, it's like you say, I can easily relate to people so they feel safe and they trust. 
Mm -hmm. um, because when you're dealing with energy healing, a lot of people think, oh, that is so woo-woo. And I heal people across the other side of the world. So I don't do this face-to-face -face very often. I do it mostly with, you know, clients across the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is like, how does that happen? But I have these people coming back to me again and again and again because, you know, they start off, they're in a crisis. Usually it's a crisis that brings somebody to me. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is just release the emotion and the energies that are related to that crisis so they can think again, so that their system can function again. And we talk a lot about the vagus nerve and the sympathetic and parasympathetic systems, you know, fight or flight. And mm -hmm. so what we want to do is get people back to where they, they can think again. And these sessions, you know, are very gentle. I only ever allow a much as much emotion to be released as what their body can handle and I know that I just intuitively know when to stop and um, and you know and it's very much guided by them as well because they're feeding back to me whether we're on track and things like that or if they need to know more information and then you know I usually give it a week between sessions and then they come back for more so normally I would say that we can do a pretty good job in you know four or five sessions if somebody has a lot of trauma and I then I have some people that just want to get have better relationships with, you know, maybe a stepchild or something like that. So they come to me again and say, help me with this child, you know, like I'm not. <laughs> so, you know, so we just clear, you know, what the barriers may be to that. And it works on everything and anything, basically. And yeah, but it's just what I love about it is that it, it's it's Look, there is a place for our medical system, 100%. Mm -hmm. But then we also have a lot of effects that are from multi-medications. And, uh, you know, for me, when I was going through Crohn's, I actually went to natural healing after a while because I just felt like I was a guinea pig for medications. They just tried me on one thing that didn't work, then I was put <laughs> on another. And on and on it went. And I know so many people go through that and they lose hope. Mm. And they think that this is the way they have to be forever. Well, I just want to tell people, it doesn't matter what you've got. You don't have to have that forever. You know, there are modalities out there like the emotion code and body code that can really help you with that. And I think what it does and how it works is it, that it is dealing with those generational traumas and all those self-belief systems that we may not be aligned to but we have in our genes and that outing and you know so that's why i did a lot of work prior to the you know that this last relationship because i looked at you know what i wanted in somebody and then mm -hmm. i looked at well actually am i that person ah because you know if you're not that person you have to do work around that mm-hmm yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting to me how emotion in the body uh, mm -hmm. and and depression, how we feel, uh, equates to our health. Uh, I, I We talked in the green room about one of my um, uh, big bands that I love, uh, Rush, um, years ago, I think it was 2005, uh, Neil Peart, uh, the drummer, his wife uh, of 20 years or something like that. <clears throat> their daughter was going off to college. So probably about the same age as your daughter. And she 
uh, it was their only daughter, their only child. And, uh, she went off to, uh, uh, college and, and rolled her car in a, in a ravine on the freeway in the snow in Canada and, uh, passed away. And the, the wife took it so hard, uh, that she just went into a total state of depression, really darkness. Mm -hmm. And I just want to tell the story because it, <clears throat> it, it gives you two different ways of which you can approach yeah. a, a, a tremendously traumatic event like this. And, <clears throat> And so he tried everything he could to get her out of her state, even moving her to Europe to try and uh, brighten her mood. But within six months, because she was depressed and really didn't want to live, uh, and she developed cancer, and she was gone within, I think, nine months to a year. Like it was, yeah. she, she developed this aggressive awesome. cancer that basically killed her. And yeah. <clears throat> he kind of accepted the fact that she just, missed her daughter so much she didn't you know it was just too much and uh so deal how you deal with emotions and you know what you're talking about your emotion code etc cetera, etc cetera, could make a difference in life or death and as you've talked about maybe Crohn's disease and some of the other things that are <clears throat> happening it can make all the difference in the world and uh it can you know people don't realize how much it translates into sickness death and uh everything else so yeah it's it's I wild that, i think that's another big thing that plays into all of this because like i mentioned earlier you know i've been through so much in my life and i think it comes down to resilience and you know the difference perhaps between her and i and our experiences is that my whole life had been tough and I had to keep picking myself up dusting myself off and carrying on mm -hmm. and so I'm very resilient and if you you know look at um, people like Hugh Van Kylenberg and his book The Resilience Project and people like Edie Iger who went through the Holocaust or um, we've got a, a New Zealander Lucy Hone who's had uh, did a, um, a TED talk on resilience and the top three things and that's had over five million views oh, wow. because it talks about you know the qualities of that resilient people have and I think that plays a huge factor into how we cope with adversity and you know I think the three things are that um, you know she talks to it's just this this understanding that shit happens in life, you know, whether you're a good person, bad person, or whatever type of person, it's part of life. Mm -hmm. We don't get to choose, and it's going to happen to us regardless. And I think the second thing she mentioned is that it's where you put your attention, you know, that's what you focus on. And I, I mentioned that, you know, I got pulled out and I was focusing on positive things and gratitude like I was incredibly grateful for the 18 years that I did have my daughter wow. and for yeah. everything that she taught me during those years and the great time she gave me and she had the most magical smile and I would just look at photos of her and see that smile and hear her just talking to me and I just was so grateful for that gratitude is a biggie just telling yourself every single day things you're grateful for. And the third thing that uh, Lucy talked about was, um, you know, is what I'm doing helping me or harming me? And if you ask yourself that question, you know, yeah, 
You know, it all comes from within. It's not external. Mm -hmm. It's like you have the control within. Yeah. There you go. Uh, you know, and maybe you've really hit it on the nose there. There's two types of, you know, one of the things you talk about is how people handle their grief and pivoting with it. And in mm -hmm. one case, someone saw it as a loss that couldn't be replaced. Uh, someone saw it as, as something that was completely over, or you saw it as a continuum maybe with with your gratitude and appreciating the time that you had and the value that you had. Um, I went through that with my, when my dog went through about a year and a half of hospice care for cancer and then passed away, the grief was mm. uh, really overwhelming. And, and uh, I went through the stages of grief and uh, closure. But uh, now when I look back on a lot of it, and I, I think at the time maybe I had this because we were in a state with hospice care where every day was, you just try and get through every day and every day was a brick of gold and you just, okay, we got, we just need to get through today. Let's see if we can get through today. And then it was the next day. And so there may have been some gratitude that I was just thankful that I was getting the time that I had uh, with her. But now when I look back, I can, I can look back on it and just be grateful. And I realized that, you know, how life works and the universe works is is not fair that's just that's the way it is uh it's a survival game really when it comes down to it and uh there are people that are going to come in and out of your life and life is a series of lows and goodbyes sometimes it's going to be you but then you'll you know you'll never really have to deal with it but uh the survivors will but for the most part you know um dogs live on an average of what 10 12 16 years uh if you're lucky and um you that's part of the gig you know i used to have people tell me why would you get a new dog after after your dog passed away um and you kind of learn to appreciate this and celebrate life and the value of it but you you also realize that you're you know this is part of the gig you're buying a 10 to 16 yeah. year gig and you're going to celebrate life during that time but that's the beauty of the renewal of life that's why we love life so much is you know it renews it doesn't yeah. you know if everyone died off and slowly died off and that was it it, it would be pretty depressing um but uh, life springs anew and that's that's kind of the beauty and the hope i think that you have to find the hope and the gratitude maybe yes hope you've got to have hope if mm -hmm. you don't have hope, you don't see any light, you don't see any future. And it may only just be a glimmer of hope, but, you know, han animals mm -hmm. are incredibly healing. You know, they mm -hmm. are just ma magical. They are just give you this unconditional love and just can change your life in ways that, you know, other humans can't because, you know, they're not actually judging us. And we find that in life we get judged a lot. So there's mm -hmm. that to it. And then the other thing is, is, you know, what is the purpose of us being here? Mm -hmm. What is what is that? And so I think, you know, when you go through adversity, you know, I see that all as opportunities to grow from. Now, I didn't know this early in my life and I used to struggle and I used to think, why, 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 why is life doing this to me? I try to be a good person and do all the right things and I just keep getting hammered. And then when I understood, actually, 
you know, what have you got to learn from this experience? Yeah, it mm -hmm. sucks. But, you know, what's the learning from this? And then you find that suddenly you're moving into a space where you're not going through crisis after crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I just kind of think that, you know, sometimes it's about looking at it from a, a different lens, a different viewpoint. Yeah. Uh, perspective is everything. So uh, how can people book a session with you? How can they uh, reach out to you, see if working with you is a good yeah. fit, uh, et cetera, et cetera? Definitely. So anybody is most welcome just to message me on the beautiful side of grief at gmail.com mm -hmm. or they can um, find out a little bit more through my website, which is the beautiful side of grief. Uh, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash the beautiful side of grief dot com. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see my podcast. But then if you just scroll along, you also see a tab for healing to be you. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's where it gives the information on the emotion code and the body code. You can have a read and see if it works for you. And, um, you know, I offer these sessions at you you'll see at ridiculous rates because i feel it's part of my destiny just to be helping people you know out of really really tough times and and i work on the belief that people when they need to find me will find me so yeah definitely go and check that out and um yeah just uh any just anything any way you can contact me just do it and i'm really happy just to connect with you, have a chat. You can see what I'm like, see if I'm a fit for you, and we can go from there. There you go. Uh, so uh, you also have a podcast that you discuss these things with and have guests mm. on. Uh, give us a plug-in for that. So, again, that's the beautiful side of grief.com. That's my podcast. And the reason that developed was because I wanted to show people that there, it doesn't matter what you go through, any form of grief, you know, I interview people who have been through unimaginable things and who have come out the other side and they use all different tools and ways to do that. But I want you to know that, um, yeah, there is a beautiful side to your grief. And if you're willing to find that, you can do so. And so I'm up to episode. I just release in fact, this week, so we're Tuesday and Thursday, I just released my 100th episode. So, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank That's you. awesome. Thank you. That is, so, um, it, that is really spectacular, you know, because yeah. most podcasts do not make it past episode 20 or so. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. The, the figures yeah. are staggering. So, I mean, just, just getting to 100, congratulations. I mean, that's yeah. I, I'm so happy when I hear podcasters doing well that stick into it because it's it can be hard. Well, um, you know, it is hard. You know, I do yeah. everything. I don't have anybody who helps me out. So, you, you know, and then I was uh, you working full time as well. So trying to fit that in, you know, so, but, you know, it's, it's now I've moved and I'm focusing more back on the beautiful side of grief. And I'm also going to, you know, set up a, a subscription portal where people can access more information. And, and I've got a book in the pipeline as well. So this is, a, you know, exciting few months ahead of me where I'm really working on a lot of stuff. So, there you go. Yeah. Well, Helen, it's been wonderful, insightful. And thank you for sharing your story on the show. Give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs. Okay, it's uh, HTTPS uh, column forward slash forward slash the beautiful side of grief dot com. The beautiful side yeah. of grief dot com. Yeah. 
Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, thanks to my audience for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and Chris Foss One at TikTok. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.